Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's better than this? Guys being dudes here on the Draft Dudes Podcast. I'm Joe Marino of NDT Scouting and FanRag Sports, joined by Kyle Krabs, who's the founder and director of scouting with NDT Scouting, also with FanRag Sports. We are your hosts here on a Friday edition of the Draft Dudes Podcast. Very excited to be here. Uh, We've got some fun NFL draft storylines to dig into. We're going to revive the fact or fiction concept that we've uh, we've done a lot in our podcasting uh, tenure, and uh, we're going to get into some of the the kind of the buzzier storylines right now surrounding this NFL draft and uh, get you ready for this weekend that doesn't have a lot of college football. Big weekend in the NFL, but uh, it's Army-Navy and, and FCS playoffs. So, Kyle, welcome here on a Friday. Thanks, man. Uh, the, the NFL slate will certainly help to bridge the gap a little bit because this is, I mean, this is the next two weeks, actually, are chock full of really enticing uh, scheduling matchups. And one thing that I like that the league did this year is it seemed like for a lot of these teams, they front-loaded and back-loaded division games. So, for example, like the AFC East. Like, Joe, you and I have yet to have a rivalry week. <laughs> it's week oh, 14. It's week 14, and we have not yeah. played each other yet. So That's the Dolph- be a crap Dolphins show. have to play uh, Patriots, Bills, blank, and Bills. Like, that's that's a lot of moving and shaking if the team was in contention. And in some of these divisions, that's exactly what you're seeing. Yeah, the Falcons, uh, They their last four games starting this week, all divisional games, and so they're 7-5. and five. They have two games against the Saints, who are leading the division at 9-3, and three, and they also play the Panthers. I mean, right now that division, it looks like it's – going to be the Saints, but if the Falcons want to take it, they can, and yeah. uh, we, we don't know the outcome of the Thursday game because we're actually recording before it, so uh, we don't know the outcome there, so I could look dumb for that statement right now, but uh, the AFC or the NFC South really has a chance to be a major shaker uh, based on, you know, like you said, the way that the schedule has stacked up. Speaking of uh, Saints and Falcons, how do we feel about these, these color rush combos? Have you had the chance to see them for this week? Um, yes, and I am always a fan of the Color Rush, even if they're bad, just because I like to see like the different looks on the field, the aesthetics of the game. It's always fun. Now, who was it? Somebody it was Washington. Did you see how Washington uh, kind of boycotted <laughs> their gold? 
They ended up wearing they went all burgundy. Yeah, they went burgundy, but they were supposed to wear the, the designated color rush uniform was was gold. Oh, so I'm I'm kind of disheartened because you know this oh. this Saints white look with the gold that they have is fresh. That's really nice. Yeah, it, it does pop. I, I, they look really good. I and then the all red. So it's a nice color contrast. Like sometimes you get ugly color combos, like the ketchup and mustard game. Yeah, it's was, bad. was that Houston and and uh, Tennessee? Somebody did that where it was like ja- well, it's like Jacksonville has that. Mustard. Oh yeah, it's ja- it was Jacksonville and, and um, Houston, right? They wear the red, yeah, all red. Yeah, yeah, that uh, was not good. the The ACC championship was beautiful. Clemson was all orange, Miami was all white, and that was a very aesthetically pleasing game to watch. Yeah, I mean, you gotta look good to play good, right? Yeah, you do, uh, Kyle. We are getting closer to this. 2018 NFL Draft, and of course I have a number for us today, 138 days away, and um, 138 is the record for the most combined attempts per fumble for a career with over 2,000 attempts. Uh, That's done by Mr. Curtis Martin from 1995 to 2005. So uh, he averaged a fumble once every 138 attempts, which is the best ratio for anyone in NFL history with over 2,000 career attempts. You know, I thought for sure you were going to put me on the spot and ask me that one. <laughs> so Who would you have guessed? Not Curtis Martin. Well, so this is not 138, but the most for a, a, a ball carrier or anybody with over 1,000 attempts is Ray Rice, 199.88. Wow. So he didn't, he didn't qualify for the 2,000 attempt. Uh, statistic, but the 1,000 goes to Ray Rice. I mean, basically every 200 attempts he fumbled. That doesn't cost, that doesn't count like lost fumbles. It's any fumble. Right, and so right, it's like a, a missed, missed mesh point or something like that. That's like, yeah. two, that's like two fumbles a year. And, that, and well, that's like if you're a total workhorse. Curtis Martin's just one of those reliable dudes. He had pretty good traits, but I don't think he was dynamic. But So would you put him in the same category as an Emmett Smith? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yes, yeah, similar. Very similar. You're, you're, I think that you're Curtis a lot Martin, of Cowboys fans very yeah. unhappy right now. Curtis Martin had better physical traits than Emmett Smith, but neither one of them are Ladanian Tomlinson or Barry Sanders or something like that in terms of physical gifts. I so. would agree with that. Yeah, and it seems like the the special backs now are the the you get these like guys that should be playing like outside linebacker, like AP. <laughs> yeah. AP, you look at AP, he's like, oh, he's a guaranteed, like, he's a, a three four, or a four three outside linebacker. But no. And that's, I can't imagine, of all the guys, like him and Derrick Henry, imagine trying to tackle Derrick Henry one-on-one. Yeah, it'd be a load. <laughs> be a friggin' load. Um, you know, I, I can't help, Joe, you mentioned we're recording uh, before the end of this Thursday night football game. I couldn't help but notice the lack of public outrage uh, regarding the hit that took Alvin Kamara out of this game. There was some helmet-to-helmet contact, and uh, I don't see anybody <laughs> pining for any suspensions uh, for the, the defender that delivered that tackle yet. So I guess I'm a little confused because I, I fast-forward or I rewind uh, no less than no, six days ago, and everybody's up in arms over this this hit. And um, do, you, do you have any explanation for you know, why – And I saw a bunch of pass rushes where guys were running into offensive linemen and their helmets collided, and and I didn't see anybody talking about that either. So uh, 
Any explanation on your end, Joe? Kyle, I, I've dealt with 20,000 notifications this week regarding uh, tweets. Me, and, Mr. Big Time. Huh? <laughs> well, look, I'm a little <laughs> exhausted with the uh, with, with the hits and and what's dirty and not, and uh, it's it's. I can only handle so much of this talk right now. I, I really appreciate uh, what Mike Mitchell said. If yes. Steelers linebacker, yes. I think everyone saw that two minute bit where he kind of put it out there, just as honest as you can, really well spoken, you know, kind of a monologue that articulated very well, in my opinion, you know, some of the challenges that come with it. And, and I thought it was very well done. You know, what I thought was most interesting about that is OCU Manura tweeted you know, a quote tweet about that play or that clip after the fact, and he was pretty much took like the polar opposite stance as Mike Mitchell. So I think That's it's surprising. I didn't see that. I think it's fascinating that there's even players that are on both sides of the fence here. So I, I don't. I I think that's as good of an illustration as any that there's there's no legit answer here. You know, this this is a very opinion oriented, you know, issue around the game of football. But I I suppose. Uh, at the end of the day, it comes down to this is what you sign up for, you know? So knowing the sport being what it is, uh, I don't know how many airings of grievances can be put out there when, you know, they're they're making a, a very conscious effort to increase the safety of the game, but uh, a contact sport between grown men that are built like superheroes inevitably is going to have some some re- pretty gnarly end results, unfortunately, and that's kind of just the nature of the beast. Yeah, you put a warning label on it, it's dangerous. If you don't like it, don't play. It's fine. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it does have me concerned two things here. It does have me concerned, number one, for the, the pending collective bargaining agreement. I don't know when that's up, but I get very nervous about you know players and owners and everyone being able to come together under a mutual agreement and you know making sure there's no work stoppage. Uh, it's it's going to be potentially very sloppy, or not sloppy, very messy, which is the same word, so that's fine. Uh, very messy situation, very messy negotiation, and I just don't, I just don't want to see another lockout. Uh, the other thing is, you know, now that there's some buzz around the college style targeting rules being implemented in the NFL, and uh, that's already disaster at the college level. Now with with restricted rosters, you know, you're only carrying. Any, you know, safeties, four safeties on an NFL roster, maybe four or five corners. Same thing with linebackers. You start kicking them out and not, you know, same type of thing where they're suspended for the first half of the next game or whatever. You know, it's just, it gets really, really muddy in my opinion about, you know, kicking out a guy for for a hit that's, you know, the the intent's hard to decipher and, and it's already hard enough to, you know, with two guys working against each other to land your hit in a particular strike zone. You know, it's just, I just don't know. I don't know if I like the implications of all this right now. Yeah. It's, it's kind of building some, some tension for sure. I mean, you hear it a lot when the players talk about the commissioner's office and uh, they, they talk about, they're starting to reference the contract that the NFLPA negotiated and, um, that's going to get hairy. I think one thing that, that may potentially help that is to have a players committee that's part of the disciplinary uh, process mm-hmm. and, and let them have some say, have maybe an arbitrator that's involved, and uh, kind of let the, the, the players have a, an elected or a, something with the NFLPA where they elect 
representatives to to be a part of the disciplinary committee or something along those lines. I think that would be a an interesting yeah. starting piece for a way to appease both sides of this issue. I've not heard that yet, and that's a terrific idea. You you get 32 representatives, and obviously the the teams effective would abstain or something to that degree degree and, and get them involved. I think that's a fabulous idea, Kyle. You, you want to get involved with this negotiation. Let's go. NFL, call me. <laughs> Between that and the Browns, I'm ready. Somebody's got to right. give me a shot. Amen. Fact or fiction, shall we, Kyle? Yeah, let's do some fact or fiction. All right, just I, I, in case, go ahead. I was going to say, I, I believe, speaking of the Browns, don't we have some Browns topics to talk about? Yeah, we do. Let's uh, let's lead off with, with the Browns. And Beautiful. obviously, the within... What, 12 hours, they fired <laughs> Sashi Brown, they satisfied the Rooney rule, and they announced John Dorsey as the next general manager for the Cleveland Browns. And so uh, the fact or fiction that we'll lead off with, Kyle, is uh, fact or fiction, John Dorsey is the best option on the market right now to be the general manager of the Cleveland Browns. Uh, I'm torn between a couple people. You know, I would love to throw Elliot Wolf's name in, in the ring here, but uh, from everything I understand, he's waiting in the wings in Green Bay, and I don't think you could lure him away. So I'm, I'm not counting him in this discussion. So for me, it comes down to John Dorsey and Scott McLuhan. And um, I, I really like the foundation that both of these teams have. Um, they went about it a little different way as far as, you know, some of their back-end roster allocation. Um, I like this hire a lot. Obviously, I'm going to say fiction because it should have been me. But, uh, <laughs> but I'd expect nothing less, guy. I would also have this caveat in here, too. Uh, I don't believe it's a great idea for anybody to bring in a general manager and handcuff him with a head coach that is not of his choosing. And that's exactly what the Browns have elected to do by – Jimmy Aslam saying that they're going to retain Hugh Jackson for 2018. He will be the head coach. And obviously things change. Maybe we get to uh, the end of the season and the Browns don't win a game and, and Haslam has a change of heart. But as of right now, uh, John Dorsey signing up for this contract and this gig with somebody else in place who has already exhausted some pretty drastic measures to oust the general manager in front of him. So I wouldn't, if, if I'm John Dorsey, I'm kind of, I'm sleeping with one eye open looking over at Hugh Jackson. Cause it's like, all right, buddy, you now granted his seat is very hot. That's what happens when you one game, win one game in 28 tries. But, um, that to me, it, it's the latest illustration of, of how complicated this business can be. Right, like I likened it to when the Miami Dolphins uh, had a, a disappointing season. They had the late season collapse. They were what s eight and eight or eight and six, and played the hapless Bills and hapless Jets for the last two games of the season. Lost them both. Scored six points combined in two games, and uh, owner Stephen Ross was prompted to make a change. He elected to keep Joe Philbin, fire Jeff Ireland, bring somebody else in there, and. Uh, Dennis Hickey was gone within one year with Joe Philbin. So um, this story usually doesn't end up well. I love the candidate. I love the hire of Dorsey for his football acumen. 
but I'm not a big fan of anybody signing up for a job in which you're being given a head coach and saying, hey, you have to make this work with this guy. Yeah, I think that's an interesting dynamic of this. And I guess worst case scenario, it, it, it doesn't work and they fire him and, you know, John Dorsey is going to be able to pick his next head coach. But, you know, John Dorsey walks into a situation where he's got Miles Garrett as the cornerstone on defense. He's got Josh Rosen, if he wants him, probably as the cornerstone on offense to build around with, you know, perhaps Josh Gordon as, as the player that he can be and reliable and all those types of things. But he also has two number one picks, three number twos, a three, two fours, two fives, two sixes, and a seventh to build this roster right now. I think this is a dream for a incoming general manager outside of that foolishly and I'm not surprised because I think Jimmy Haslam is the scum of the earth, to be honest with you. Already declared Hugh Jackson to be their coach next season, which I think is absolutely ridiculous. Um, but, uh, man, he has a real opportunity here to, to kind of build something. And I think I think everyone in their heart is kind of rooting for Cleveland, right? Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> they can only take so much over there. I'd love to see Cleveland competitive. Yeah, and and the the capital that they have is another great part. That's that's going to be hard to screw up, you know. Like that's that's a lot of that's a lot of bullets in the chamber. So yeah, um, sure is. It's going to be looking good, uh, Joe. My first one from you. This is from an AFC scout talking about NC State defensive end Bradley Chubb. He said, if you compare him to Derek Barnett, he has similar production, but he is much more explosive of an athlete. I think he's way ahead of Boston College's Harold Landry as a pro prospect. Would you call that statement fact or fiction, Jill? I would say that it's it's fact to an extent. Um, I did a, a new weekly column that debuted yesterday on NDT Scouting uh, called Six Pack Thursday, where I kind of just dumped six hot takes into an article and shared some thoughts. And I, I actually led with some analysis on Bradley Chubb and how he's a better NFL draft prospect than Derek Barnett was. Um, and don't get me wrong. I like Derek Barnett. He carried a first round grade for me last year, but I think what we have is two prospects that project as four, three defensive ends and they're recent prospects. So there's this natural desire to kind of compare the two when I don't think it's a one for one. I don't, I don't think it's a really good comparison to, comp Chubb to Barnett because I think there's a really high variance in skill between the two players when they're entering the league. Bradley Chubb has a lot more uh, variety in how he can beat blocks. His hand technique is far advanced to what we saw from Derek Barnett, where Derek Barnett could create pressure on the quarterback, but there wasn't a whole lot of variety to how we did it. You know, he loved to kind of get that outside edge, flatten, turn the corner, and, and, and reduce the surface area and, and, and create sacks where Bradley Chubb is showing a lot of a lot of variety with the different moves that he has in his arsenal to get after the quarterback. Um, I do agree that he's, he's, a, he's more athletic, but I don't think he's superiorly – I don't know if that's a word, but I just went with it. I don't think he, it's that much of a of – a, uh, he's that much greater of an athlete than Bradley Chubb. And I, and I do think that it is a fact that he's a better prospect – than Harold Landry, although I do like Harold Landry as well. So I think there's a lot to unpack there. It's mostly fact, other than I don't know that I look at Chubb and Barnett and say that you know Chubb is decisively a better athlete. I think he's a better athlete, but not decisively. Yeah, I think that's a fair take. And uh, I, I know actually John Ledyard, one of our national scouts, disagrees with you. I think I believe he thinks he is far and away better than than uh, 
Derek Barnett. So maybe that's something we got to try and line up here in the coming <laughs> weeks. Get get John well, on and talk about that because that would be a healthy debate because I'm kind of in the middle. What's interesting, John seems like he's always been underwhelmed with Derek Barnett. And, um, yeah, that would be fun. I'd be in favor of that. All right, let's uh, let's get our producers to line that up here. That sounds good. See, see what they can do. Kyle, I got another one for you here. Oh, goody. Um, this one comes from Bruce Feldman. And uh, he tweeted out recently, he said, I spoke to some NFL folks in the past few days. There's a lot of big buzz around Washington's Vita Via. He's a massive freak defensive lineman, has rare talent, would not be shocked if he ends up as a top five pick. Kyle, fact or fiction? <laughs> Stop it. Vita Via has top five upsets. Yeah, see, so you had to collect yourself before you could even ask me that. All right, we gotta go. We gotta get into this. That's nonsense. That is total. That I would love to know who wrote that because they should write the next Star Wars script. That's how out <laughs> of this world that take is. There's no way. There's probably some scout sitting back, sipping on bourbon right now, laughing his rear end off that that made it as a national headline. No way. So listen, I like Vita significantly more than what I did Danny Shelton. So I want to put that out there right off the bat. And Danny Shelton went 16. But if you looked at Danny Shelton, Joe, and I asked you, would you qualify Danny Shelton's NFL career to date as a top 20 pick, what would you say? I'd say no. You would say no. And I would also say no. And I'd also say I told you so. So here's the deal. Top five. Listen, I know this is not the the most loaded draft class all around but now you're assuming teams are passing on Saquon Barkley Bradley Chubb Josh Rosen Minka Fitzpatrick potentially Jerwin James Connor Williams is Vita Via better than any of those football players no no is he better football player than Baker Mayfield no no is he a better football player than Darius Geis? No. No. Is he a better football player than Roquan Smith? No. No. Is he a better football player than Cleveland Farrell? No. Listen, man, I got like 30 names queued up. We could do this all <laughs> night. We're not going to do We're that. <laughs> My point is this is probably a top 50 to 75 caliber player. Let's leave him there. Let's make. He's not even the best interior defensive lineman. I would take Taven Bryan 100 times out of 100 times before I took Vita V. I would take Christian Wilkins before I took him. And I know that one might get a little hot because Wilkins has been kind of up or down. But I don't think – I'll just, I'll just wrap it with fiction. How's that? <laughs> Loud and clear, sir. Loud and clear. Okay, okay. Thanks for bringing that to the table, though. I'm glad we could clear that up. Yeah. Joe, my last one for you is – Fact or fiction, the two teams on either side of the conferences that currently hold the top two seats, the New England Patriots and Pittsburgh Steelers and Philadelphia Eagles and Minnesota Vikings, will be the teams that secure first-round buys in the 2017 NFL playoffs. For the AFC, that is 100% fact. 10-2 and two, Steelers and Patriots, even though they play next week, neither one of those are going to dip to the third seed behind Tennessee or Jacksonville. So I'll say AFC 100% fact. 
I also think that it's fact in the NFC that it's going to hold at Minnesota and Philadelphia, even though this one's a little bit tighter. We've got a big game this weekend between the Eagles and Rams. I think the Eagles will win that game because I think the Rams' run defense is, is you can you can you can have them on the ground if you want to, and uh, you know I think Philadelphia coming off uh, their recent loss to the to they oh the Seahawks right I think that was a big wake up call for them so Minnesota's defense is is just suffocating Case Keenum is playing out of his mind I like Minnesota as potentially the NFC representative for the Super Bowl so I am going to say that they hold definitively in the AFC, very very much a closer race in the NFC, uh, but I think it will hold. The NFC is fun this year, isn't it? So Just good, like right? Looking at the landscape altogether, like the top five or six teams, like they're probably better than seeds three down for the AFC this year. That's fact also. Yeah. That <laughs> guy's got a bonus factor fiction take. Oh, and I had a bonus factor fiction lined up for you. Oh, that's that's quality. That's clutch. Let's go ahead and rip it out. You, you know that I'm. It's been, you know when we used to do this in our previous uh, podcast, I'd always have something in my back pocket to put you on the spot. And you know I'm not going to let that be different today. Kyle, fact or fiction that Sam Darnold has a bad face? Oh, you dog. <laughs> And he's overrated, and that's part of your evaluation because that's what uh, allegedly an NFC personnel man said uh, to a group of uh, scouts, I guess. That is the hottest of all takes, is it not? He's ugly. He can't play quarterback. You can have him. Is he ugly? He's he's okay, right? I, 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 maybe it's the red hair. <laughs> he's now, got a nice mop. I'll tell dude, you, I wish I, I had I hair. I that wish thing. I had his hair, yeah. Now, I, I would take my facial hair over Sam's facial hair. <laughs> but... As far as his actual hair, and I think, you know, Sam, I don't know, Sam's sneaky because you see him on TV, he doesn't look like he's, like, legit 6'4", you know? He, I think he has a much more unassuming build. I think you see him in person. I don't think you'd hear people calling him ugly. And apparently yeah. that's what this scout did. But uh, <laughs> that seems to be a theme of the week, people talking disrespectful to college prospects. So, oh. um <laughs> Joe, I have a question for you. This is not a fact or fiction. This is just an open-ended right. question before we get the folks out of here and on with their weekend. Who is the ugliest quarterback that you can think of? <laughs> the, ug- oh, the ugliest quarterback I can think of? Why? Are, the, all that's going through my mind is handsome quarterbacks. Um, What's a trend? Maybe they're onto something. Maybe no, we need I, to add I, a look John score. Ledger and I had a very lengthy DM session this summer after somebody said that, uh, you know, the symmetry of one's face is, is an important aspect of, uh, of quarterback play. And I think John and I went back and forth like 20 something DMS uh, on different quarterbacks and their faces. And yeah, I think you have some great faces, Tim Tebow, a handsome man, uh, not a great quarterback. Um, Johnny Manziel, kind of rough, a little rough around the edges. Brady Quinn. Bad. Oh, Handsome man, a Brady very handsome Quinn is man. Is a gorgeous human being. I just want to put it out there. I, I'm not. I'm not saying anything else. You, you just said called, he's a handsome man. It's. I said the same thing. I just used a different said, adjective. You, you did. It was strong. Um, I don't think Teddy Bridgewater is a very beautiful person. My number one player in the 2014 draft, though. You know. You know who's got stock down is Blake Bortles. You seen that? Have you seen? <laughs> you want to talk about quarterback hair? Blake's just got to yeah. let it go and shave that puppy because that's uh, that ship has sailed. Blake, 
Blake Bortles, if I let my hair grow out, it would look like Blake Bortles, and that's why my hair is short. Well, he's got to he's got to get that type self awareness. You got to be self aware. Yeah, you know, you spent time around me. I I speak highly of self awareness, and and the best people in the world are self aware, <laughs> and you got to know your limitations, and, and so. That is a – I mean, that should be all you need to know. Now, I don't know his situation with with his uh, significant other, but uh, when she, when the draft process was oh, going yes. on, she was, she was quite popular and quite lovely. Uh, they That ship has also sailed. Oh, no! Yeah. He, his life is out of control right now. Listen, I got a bonus shout-out to A.J. McCarron for that ugly chest tattoo, since we're talking yeah. about significant others. You know, Catherine, Catherine Webb uh, – Brent Musburger, pull one out, buddy. Um, he he and and her have since split, and uh, you know we're talking about you know questionable self awareness. And AJ with that chest tattoo, man, that's that's no bueno. You can't screw that up. You can't screw that up. I know. So so you're telling me that AJ McCarron and Blake Bortles they yeah. they couldn't uh, get yeah. those girls locked up? Yeah, they uh, with they, their billion dollar paydays and stuff. Yep, yeah, they could not complete the comeback in the fourth quarter and seal the victory. Oh. No wonder that the one's not a starter and one's on his way out. <laughs> Speaking of self-awareness, folks, that is going to do it for us today here on the Draft Dudes Podcast. We'd like to thank you guys for just carving some time out on a Friday. Hope you guys are entertained by the friendly banter and the factor fiction, uh, kind of tackling some of the, the prominent storylines right now in uh, uh, NFL and NFL draft uh, media. At the moment, we're really starting to pick up some momentum, and this is, uh, this is only going to pick up from here. So uh, I'm sure you guys will not have to wait too long to hear Fact or Fiction again. If you have any takes that you hear anyone say and you'd love to hear us tackle here on Fact or Fiction on the Draft Dudes, shoot us a message. Uh, shoot us a, a tweet. Joe is at Marino. I am at NDT Scouting. And also make sure you swing over to FanRagSports.com and NDTScouting.com and check up all of our uh, daily, I guess I should say, latest and greatest. You know, we may be publishing draft guides, but we're also pumping out content. Joe... On a rough estimate, how many articles between the two sites would you say you publish on a weekly basis? I'm sure I push double digits on a weekly yes. basis. Yeah, so you get 20 articles a week between the two of us combined. Why wouldn't you want that? And why also wouldn't you want to be a subscriber to the draft, dude? So hit subscribe on this podcast while you're at it. Stay with us all the way to the 2018 NFL Draft. I am Kyle Krabs signing off with Joe Marino. Thanks for listening, guys. We will chat with you on Monday. Right now, join T-Mobile and get an unlimited family plan with Netflix included so you can watch in more places than ever before on your phone, tablet, or TV. Plus, buy one Samsung Galaxy S9 and get one free with 24 monthly bill credits so you and your family can binge your Netflix favorites on your new phones. Call 1-800-T-MOBILE or visit a store today. Unlimited data on their network. Video streams at 480p. Small fraction of customers using over 50 gigs per month may have reduced speeds. If you cancel balances due, well-qualified customers, full price, 720 plus tax. Finance agreements required. Netflix for two screens. Terms apply. What does your morning sound like? Uh, goodbye, baby. She's finally asleep. Hi, welcome to McDonald's. Can I get a sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles? Mmm. Here's to making your morning routine a little better with a delicious breakfast from McDonald's. Mix and match two of your favorites for just $4. The Sausage McMuffin with Egg and the Sausage Egg and Cheese McGriddles. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Single item at regular price. Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. 
the world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.